I believe God wants to stir some things uh, today, and we're going to talk just a little bit about um, understanding our mission and what that really looks like for us personally, what that looks like for us congregationally. Thank you, Tiffany. <laughs> you know, we, we uh, rather than trying to package uh, sermons that seem to be nice and neat and packageable. Um, you know, we just felt the Lord was saying, just lift from that a bit, and just more, more than trying to package a sermon series, what we want to do is we just want to discern a season together. And so uh, we're in a season of going deeper. And so we're just going to explore that. We're just going to keep on going deeper into that until the Lord uh, speaks to us um, what the next season is supposed to look like. How many are you okay with just staying in a place of just following the leadership and the prompting of the Holy Spirit so that we really do dig deep into what he's desiring to reveal in that particular season? So our whole emphasis as we're looking at what it is to, to be deeper in our relationship with the Lord is understanding that we're designed by God to actually live in the deeper reality of God as a way of life. Now I want to say it loud and clear. We are designed by God to live in the deeper reality of God as a way of life. I think it's really important that we understand um, it's very easy to give a reaction, particularly in a day where so many things are demanding our attention and producing so many reactions. But I just want to reiterate how important it is that we not live our lives in a state of reaction, but we learn to live in a place of response. Listen before you respond. Um, listen, pause, say law, pause, consider. Let the Lord speak to you about the circumstance at hand, whatever it is you may be walking through. Um, I, you know, my, I mean, I just think of this. My mom shared with me last year, I think it was, she, she came to me one morning when we, you know, we gather at 6 a.m. on Tuesday for prayer, and she came up to me and she said, I just wanted to tell you first, before we start sharing this, but I have a very concerning situation that's happened in my physical body, um, and to be honest with you, what it looked like was a lung cancer. <clears throat> and she said, "I just want you to, uh, I want you to to hear it from me first before you know you hear it, see it on a prayer list or something like that." And and then you know I didn't say anything. I just kept looking at her, and you know what I was doing was I was just trying to listen to what the Holy Spirit was wanting to say about the situation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> Like with your spiritual ears, I mean, she's sharing this report that could potentially cost her life, and rather than me giving her a reaction of compassion that's simply understandable, maybe that's not what the situation warranted in that moment in time. And so finally she just said, you know, what do you think? And I said, why don't you give me a little bit of time before I tell you what I think so I can pray and get the mind of the Lord and tell you more what I sense he thinks than what I think in this moment right now that could potentially just be a big reaction. And I just began to pray, and by the next day, I felt like the Lord had given me a word. I, I then had a response rather than a reaction to the situation. And I shared that with her, uh, that this, there was a lump from her back, and, um, and they were gonna, you know, talking about going in to do this deep biopsy situation, scenario. And, and as I was just praying for her, I just felt like the Lord was reminding me that the, the armor of God has no covering for the back. Everything else is covered. And I just heard the Lord say, 
I didn't put a covering on your back because I've got your back. I've got your mom's back. And so I just began to share that to her with her. We began to declare that. That became our family word. It became our declaration. And, and, uh, and come on, we're celebrating healing. Suddenly, everything that was going on in her body disappeared just miraculously because God had her back. Why don't you celebrate and call in a wave of healing in a time of pandemic in Jesus' mighty name? Why don't we just hiss the enemy away by the clapping of our hands in declaration that healing erupts in this land? In the name of Jesus. Christianity is not a religious tool to make you moral. Morality is a byproduct of a deep work that the Holy Spirit does within your life. And we've kind of created a religious structure that produces good moral lives as the ultimate goal. The kingdom of God is more than that. The kingdom of God is about power and anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage. It'll, it'll bring an alignment to a sense of morality that exists within you as a result of the kingdom of God coming alive in your life. The Bible says, so I say, live by the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh, Galatians 5.16. Live by the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But religion gets that turned around and says, now I want you to behave and I want you to be good and I want you to be nice. I want you not to fulfill the lust of the Spirit so that you can be living by the Spirit. And I believe God's just trying to sort some things out for all of us to understand what it really is to stand in the presence of God as a way of life. And when you get near to God, things begin to fall off of your life. When you get close to God, ways of thinking begin to align correctly with the way God designed you to live. We're designed to live in the deeper reality of God. And I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to breathe fresh life on these verses because all I'm doing right now is sharing with you what we're talking about every week before we get started into the specific revelation of the week. But this verse we've read every week as we've stepped into this in deeper, and it's about unlocking the things that God desires to unlock. Isaiah 33, verses 5 to 6. Lord, would you just breathe fresh life over your word into our hearts as we read your scripture, understanding that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It has such a profound impact on our lives when we receive it the way you desire and designed us to receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Isaiah 33, 5 and 6, the Lord is exalted for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with his justice and righteousness. He will be a sure foundation for your times. How many of you know we need a sure foundation in the times in which we live? He will be a sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. The fear of the Lord is is the key to this treasure. Deferring to him, surrendering to him, allowing him to be in charge of whatever the circumstance may be at any given moment in time. What I want to talk to you about today is the New Wineskin Church. And there is an interesting phenomenon taking place around the world where uh, 
In many respects, church has scrambled. Here we sit in spacious seating on purpose. Um, you know, many people, we went to buy fireworks yesterday, and our family all masked up, and 100% of the people in this building walking with masks on. You know, I mean, it's just interesting watching everything unfold the way it's unfolding in society. And then here we are, church, dis, you know, basically just had a, a, a multiplicity of reactions and responses as, as you know, spreading out of the people and online-only presence at first, and this progression. And there's this interesting element with so many pastors and leaders all over the world now that are trying to figure out how do we get back to what we once knew in meeting and gathering as the church. And the question that a few of us are asking is, what if we're not supposed to get back to what we once knew in meeting and gathering as the church? Now, I want to be careful not to say something that I'm not intending to say, so I want you to, to realize we started this thing out a while ago, and I said, forsake not the assembling. I'm not advocating the deconstruction of the gathering of the church. It's an important part of what God's designed us for in the body of Christ, that we would gather as the body of Christ. And so it's very significant that we walk this out with a clarity and a sense of understanding. A clarity and a sense of understanding that going back to what we knew is really not what this is about. But how many believe God might be in the midst of something uncomfortable trying to reveal something more significant to take the church to a deeper place where we stop uh, focusing in so much on what even in many instances, and I know I'm getting really deep on this, but I've preached about this just a little bit. Uh, in many instances, we've allowed the Sunday gathering, the church gathering in our Western civilization to become a sense of idolatry in the way we worship. I mean, we just have to address these, these things. If we really want to do what God desires for us to do, then we've really got to see Jesus for the way Jesus wants us to see him, and we need to understand God's family in the church. I want you to know, you are more powerful as sons and daughters of God than people that just go through a week winding down until you can come back to church where we can wind you back up as if our gathering of the church is your source of strength. Do you understand? the power of the Holy Spirit is alive within you every single day of the week, every morning you wake up, every night you go to bed. You're the sons and daughters of God. And I'm calling that out of you. I'm calling you up. And today's very deeply challenging as we look at what God might be desiring in this next season of the church. And we talk about the new wineskin church because God, I believe, wants to pour out a new wine harvest. But he cannot pour out a new wine harvest if we're trying to go back to an old wineskin church because the Bible is very clear. You can't put new wine in an old wineskin. You've got to have a new wineskin for the new wine in order to be able to contain, manage, and steward what it is that's being poured into that new wineskin. So this in and of itself, when I describe, and I just want to give a, a clear definition so we start to kind of get on the same page, a new wineskin church is a highly relational family, a highly relational family that is deeply devoted to discipleship as a way of life. In other words, I'm connected and relational with people for the purpose of seeing the kingdom advance and the power of Jesus revealed. This is the New Wineskin Church is where mothers and fathers of the faith 
choose to live consecrated lives. And in doing so, they raise up sons and daughters who understand consecration. Now, the difference in what I just said and what we've understood is it's been the church's job to raise your sons and daughters, naturally and spiritually. In fact, if you want your kids to really know the Lord, get your kids in kids' church. If you want your youth to really know the Lord, bring them to the youth service. No, if you want your kids to know the Lord, train up your children in your home and let us enrich your training by gathering in the church after you've done your job first in, the, in your own household. The New Wineskin Church is not a church that relies on a corporate gathering to do the personal responsibility that you're supposed to carry as the body of Christ. I'll drink to that. So all this I'm talking about isn't my message. It's a foundation, and, and, and what I just said to you deserves in and of itself a full message standing on its own. But that's not where I feel like we're supposed to go, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me that today is going to be a day where many people are going to experience many various conversations from God about specific areas of your life that you're needing to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? You're hearing the sound of my voice right now, but the sound of my voice as I've been in times of prayer, as I've been seeking God, the sound of my voice carries a certain anointing because I've surrendered that to the Lord. Yours as well. And when we get under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the sound of our voice begins to break things off of people's lives around us everywhere we go. The sound of my voice today is to activate the anointing in your life that the Scripture says in 1 John chapter 2 that that anointing will teach you. And that's what you need to happen right now. You don't need a motivational speech from a preacher. You need the anointing of the Holy Spirit to teach you something specifically about what's going on in your life in this very moment so that you're becoming more the men and women of God He's designed you to be, people walking by the Spirit everywhere we go. So the new wineskin, this is Mark 2. You know, nobody pours new wine in the old wineskin. The old wineskin will burst. Talks about a patch and cloth. It'll ruin the fabric if you put a, a, a new patch, an old patch on a new uh, cloth. And, and the whole, you know, everything about that is so unique and so interesting. In fact, we'll just read this Mark 2.22. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. Nope, they pour new wine into new wineskins. So understanding the idea of wineskin, uh, this was an ancient container made from an animal skin. In other words, an animal had to die in order for this skin to be produced. So let's be clear, a new wineskin comes from a recent death. A new wineskin comes from a recent death. And there's something in the body of Christ that we need to be willing to lay down at the foot of the cross and surrender more completely to him that we might die in Christ to produce a new release and revelation of the wineskin God desires to reveal and bring. I was walking and praying recently, and I just it was just a crazy phrase. I mean, I, I'm in my turn the page where we're you know, reading through Scripture. Uh, I'm like almost to the end. So I was nowhere near the beginning. I hadn't read this recently. It just popped out of the blue. I'm just out walking and praying, and I just heard the Holy Spirit say, Moses, my servant, is dead. And I kind of thought, yeah, he's been dead a long time, long time now. 
And I realized the Lord was trying to point something out to me, you know, in Scripture. So I went home, and I, I went to uh, Joshua chapter 1 and this particular portion of Scripture. And, and I'm going to read this verse of Scripture, but I want you to hear what's taking place. I want you to hear the pronouncement of a new season that had come. I want you to hear the death of a previous season that had existed. And I want you to hear it as a prophetic declaration that that's where we are as the body of Christ in this season of, of the world. In this season, in this age... Joshua 1, 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to the Israelites. The old has passed, the new has come, it's time to advance into the promises of God beyond your wildest imagination. The old has gone, the new has come, and now is the time, this is the place, we are the people, let's rise up and fulfill everything God desires for us to fulfill. Are you ready for God to transfer that which he wants to transfer into your hands that the kingdom of God can expand? I literally, standing there in worship, I felt, I, I know this is kind of crazy, but we just need to pay attention. I was standing there in worship, and I just felt the Lord say, can I trust you not to have a reaction if I brought somebody to give $10 million to expand my work in the earth through this place? In other words, would I fall down at that person's feet and say, oh, thank you for giving that money. We want you to have a special seat. You know, the book of James warns against that. Would I treat them with extra respect? Would I give them extra regard? Or would I truly respond to the Lord Jesus Christ and limit a reaction to a, a human interaction and have a focus of, all right, God, if you did this, what are you bringing about? I had somebody come one time and they said, I want to make a substantial offering, but I want to tell you what we want to do with this offering that we give. And I had a big decision to make at that time. Am I going to be owned by people who are going to come with money and try and take our church in the direction that they want it to go, or are we going to stay in a place with our eldership and say, Lord Jesus, this is your work. This is your place. We will never be owned by anybody but you. You are Lord. I just, I, I just feel like I, I, I'm on fire today in the sense of there's fire. I mean, as I'm speaking, there's fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit. We are the burning ones. The Bible says we are the burning ones. He is the all-consuming fire, and there's to be a fire that exists within us. Are you willing to allow the fire of God to come and consume. That means we bring the sacrifice of our lives so that the fire of heaven will come down. Are you ready for that? That's what God is asking us to do in preparation for whatever he desires to take us into. See, understand, Moses had a purpose and a function. He called people out of bondage, and then he led them around in the wilderness while God was doing a work in their life. But Moses, my servant, is dead, and now the spirit of Joshua has emerged. I'm prophesying to the church right now. That's what I'm saying to you. I'm not reading you a story. I'm declaring the season that we're in. Moses, my servant, is dead, and now the spirit of Joshua has come. We're no longer just focusing on trying to come out of the stuff we came out of and wandering around the wilderness, now we are focusing on the anointing of God to press into the place of promise and see the kingdom of God advance and expand right before our eyes. Your family members are about to come to know Jesus who don't know Jesus. 
I mean, you've got to understand what I'm talking about. Your neighbors, your co-workers, people are going to be so susceptible to the gospel of Jesus Christ because we're going to carry an anointing, not walk around with religious arguments putting people off, but carrying an anointing that will draw people into a deeper thirst and hunger for the things of God. You were born for such a time as this. If you were called by God, say real loud, amen. amen. Many are called and few are chosen. You ever read that? Many are called and few are chosen. You know that more than 300 million people live in the USA. And more than 200 million claim to be Christians. Many are called, but few are chosen. I want to walk this out with you, because to move from invited to chosen requires that we respond God's way, not our own. To move from called to chosen means we begin to step into a posture of what would be called consecration. I, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about giving you all the sacraments of holiness and get the, you know, these are the rules and these are the, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about consecrated lives that are completely surrendered and available to God Almighty where we learn that as a way of life. That's why my challenge to you this week is fast and pray. Take some time to fast and pray. I'll, I'll give you an action point this week, but it's going to be all about that, trying to just be more consecrated and available to the Lord. And the reason is because our response determines God's reach. Can we all say that together? My response determines God's reach. One more time. My response determines God's reach. You don't get saved unless you, unless you respond to the call when Jesus begins to pull at your heart. Your response always determines God's reach in the depth of your life. And the reason this is so important and what I want to drive you to is a really wild portion of Scripture found in Luke chapter 18. And I believe that this is going to bring great challenge to all of us. It certainly has me. And I don't want you to hear this as I start reading these verses of Scripture um, from the perspective of sermons you've heard preached over the rich young ruler. And I'm not really talking to you about finances, though this is one of those texts of Scripture that we would normally revert to when we want to talk about finances, because there's a great financial principle in the midst of all of it. But I want you to hear this from a little bit of a different perspective. So go with me on this journey, maybe with a, a little more open mind is what we have here is a very rich young man who has kept the law and been obedient and consecrated in so many respects of his life. He's a believer. That's why he's having the conversation with Jesus. He's called. Many are called, but few are chosen. And when he's telling Jesus all the things that he's done, Jesus said to him, verse 22, you still lack one thing, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven very important phrase and I want to point this out then come follow me Jesus is saying to him come follow me that's important verse 23 
When the rich young man heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And basically what we find there is that the man didn't own his riches, the riches owned the man. And this goes on in the progression of this, and Jesus explains what's taking place. And he says, truly, I tell you, no one has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. In other words, don't be afraid to surrender everything that you are I mean, all properties, real estate, relationships, sisters, parents, children, for the sake of the kingdom of God. Don't be afraid to bring everything you have before him because the reward will be great in your life. How many believe the reward will be great if you'll surrender all that you are to the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I want to just challenge you because the biggest reward you can think of is not as big as what God may have in mind. In fact, God comes from an eternal perspective, and we come from a temporal perspective. So usually our reward starts in a temporal realm, and God's actually started in the eternal dynamic, and he's trying to stretch us out of the temporal into the eternal. And I believe that it's important for us to understand Jesus used this phrase in personal conversation on different occasions, come follow me. And every one of those occasions when Jesus was having a personal conversation, conversation with somebody and he said come follow me he was inviting them to come be a disciple to follow him that would become the men that became apostles that literally carried the government of heaven and the earth and for all eternity would carry the reward of eternity of carrying the government of God and the earth Jesus knew what was going to happen with Judas. Is it possible this rich young ruler was to be the 12th apostle that would carry the government of God on the earth, but his affection for the things of the world held him back from the eternal purposes of God? Is it possible that's happening in our society right now? Is it possible it's happening in your own heart right now? Do you know what your mission is? Do you know your life assignment? And are you willing to build your life around that mission? You know, Tracy and I decided We have tremendous opportunities for travel and ministry, and we're so thankful for that. And it's enjoyable. It's fun. And we like it. We've raised our kids up with the opportunity to experience the world because of ministries that we work with in different places. But there came a point where we realized there's something of an assignment. Listen. There's something of an assignment with this portion of our life that we need to devote ourselves more specifically and more strategically to. And so we stopped searching for grand opportunities and started searching for the purposes of God. 
We're aligning ourselves more relationally now in the way we do what it is God's asked us to do as church leaders because you as a church family have an expression into these various ministries that we are helping to oversee. Something God's doing in our midst is very significant for the worldwide church. We're a part of a bigger picture. We're a part of a bigger story. Our story is not our own. Your story is not your own. We all together all come into this place of making this story happen. And this highly relational church that gives itself to discipleship as a way of life. It's where we all start to explore what are avenues that we can impact people around us. I, I just, I was so excited to hear, you know, this uh, AT is doing this Wednesday night uh, class for our Leadership Institute, and we've just suspended all uh, costs for those classes. And on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we meet upstairs, and we've been in overflow rooms because the media center gets full. It's all online on Facebook Live. And, and my parents, they were watching this last Wednesday night, and my mom, she basically said everything except, he's my new favorite preacher. She said something along those lines. But, but she said, man, these classes have been amazing. We've enjoyed this so much. And, and she said, you know, I've never done a Facebook watch party. And I decided I'm going to do a Facebook watch party. And so she hosted her own Facebook watch party. And she had family members that don't, you know, aren't associated with our church. Family members from Washington State, South Dakota, Oklahoma, a fishing buddy of her brother that she just met one time, that their Facebook friend, he's tuning in, and they're all hearing about the Holy Spirit. She's got this watch party of about 15 people in her own little small group online. Do you understand? God's raising up a church that understands we have a responsibility to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with whatever avenues have been placed within our reach. Do you know what your mission is? Are you willing to build your life around that mission as your highest call and your greatest priority? I spoke to Mike King this morning. He and Shondell uh, paid a great price this last year to be a part of our internship. They have a little baby. And Michael's just done a great job jumping in, serving all year long. We have married people, single people. We're still asking the Lord to bring our, our first 60-year-old intern. Come on, Jesus, bring them. What we're searching for are people that just want to step into a dimension of serving Jesus, and we'll work to, to consider schedules with work, school, whatever that may be. If that's something that you feel God's calling you to, I want to just caution you, don't just dismiss things because it doesn't necessarily make sense. Explore them and pray and ask God for wisdom. Have conversations. Text destiny to 474747. Let us have a conversation with you about that. This all begins first by just understanding like God really wants to own your heart Jesus wants to be Lord of your life. And then you begin to build your mission around whatever that looks like. We as a church, we, uh, we work to try and help people walk this out. I appreciate the Judds and their team. And, and we'll, on August the 2nd, have a Discovering Destiny. And that's coming very soon. And Discovering Destiny is where we're just going to have a conversation between the two services in the media center upstairs a brief conversation to explain to you what six weeks on those following Wednesdays looks like and why we're doing that to help you discover more about who God made you to be, who God made us to be as a family. How many know we're on a mission? 
We're not just here to show up and get our church on so that we can do our church thing. We're on a mission. We need to understand who we are, why we are, why God brought us all together, and how that all fits. So if you're here, you're attending, and you're just kind of a tender, and you've really not found your place, then I would encourage you to get signed up for that so that we can walk you through at least an option of beginning to understand what that could look like for you. If you're new, of course, we want you to connect. I talked to Ed and... And uh, McDowell, glad that you guys have found your way here. Happy birthday, happy anniversary. I mean, what a great weekend you've had. Derek Wilson, where's Derek? Happy birthday yesterday, hotter than a firecracker. Derek Wilson, Fourth of July. God just wants us to find who He's designed us to be, and walk that out. Come on, let's stand together. Leonard Ravenhill said. And I want you to hear this. Five minutes inside eternity. I want you to think about everybody in this room has one thing in common. It's a little morbid, but it's a reality. We're going to die. Five minutes inside eternity. I want you to think about after you take your your last breath, five minutes after that. Ravenhill said, five minutes inside eternity. And we will wish that we had sacrificed more, wept more, grieved more, loved more, prayed more, and given more. What he's saying is, know your mission. Build your life around that mission so you're answering the call of God. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and without you there is no true life. We only discover life, Lord, as we surrender ourselves more completely to you. So we want to do that in this moment. We acknowledge you came, you lived, you died, but you're alive. You're risen from the grave. And we ask, Holy Spirit, you do a deep work in every one of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you agree and you declare that Jesus is Lord, the word says, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Why don't you give him a hearty confession and a a hand clap of praise and declaration, Jesus is Lord. We agree today. Jesus, you are who you say you are. Come on, wholeheartedly with everything that we are. We honor the Lord Jesus. Would you just join in in this assignment together as a congregational family? Let's press into a deeper place of worship. Really engage our hearts. This week, I just want to challenge you to spend some time fasting and praying. Purpose a deeper hunger for God's purposes in life and legacy the world around you take the time skip a meal or two or three maybe a few days explore what it is to fast and pray because there's a deeper hunger going on in your life asking God inviting God to deepen you in that process and I want to just make sure I commission you to something as we step into this time of worship we have a prayer team that is available to stand with you in prayer. Anything that may be going on, you might just have a question, you might just want to pray for somebody. They're going to be actually in the lobby. And 
they'll be uh, across from that table to provide social distancing. They'll wear a mask if you prefer for them to wear a mask while you interact. But I want to invite you as we worship, if you'd like to just have somebody stand with you in prayer, then make your way out in that lobby and then come back in and let's worship a bit before we conclude. We've got a, a pretty important announcement for you that we're going to conclude with. So if you can hang in there with us today all the way to the end after our worship time concludes, then we'll share that bit of information. So Lord, we believe that worship is a tool of intercession that's in the hand of our mighty God. We want to be used as a mighty team orchestrated by God to release your kingdom in the earth. Take us deeper in that understanding, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.